Hi, this is Nayetta. Hi, this is Sin. And welcome to The The Help Help Show. We sat down with Nancy Stokes, counselor, MSLPC, and asked her some in-depth questions about depression as well as happiness. We hope that she is able to answer many of our questions you may, you know, ponder when it comes to all these feelings within you. Nancy, thank you so much for joining Sin and I with the Help Show. Nancy is an LPC. We're in Dallas, Texas, and she is going to help spread awareness about depression and happiness. And, you know, for the month of December, how that does play a part because, you know, Christmas is coming, you know, and people sometimes seem to get depressed. And then also there's a time to be happy when, you know, happy with, you know, with families and with food and with your loved ones. Starting life over the new years, making resolutions. Oh, happy new year to that. (laughs) (laughs) So we're interviewing with her um, and she is LPC. First of all, thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Nancy, for interviewing with Sid and I. We're so grateful. Um, Thank you for taking the time because she is a busy woman to, you know, help, you know, continue to spread awareness with depression and happiness. Nancy, how long have you been practicing in this field as a therapist? This is my 22nd year of being licensed like a doctor, state boards. Oh, wow. 22 years. Oh, wow. That's amazing, Nancy. Okay. And also, what are your credentials? I'm a licensed professional counselor, and uh, you have to earn a master's in either science, like uh, I got one in MS, uh, Masters of Science in Counseling Psychology, or sometimes MEDs or whatever. Okay. So I think the big question we have today to start off the interview is, what is depression? Well, it's a lot of things. It can be very mild and situational, like uh, people who experience a death or their business collapses and so forth. They're going to have depression temporarily. However, if it lasts more than, say, three or four months, then that's usually a different situation. Uh, Also, some people have what they call dysthymia, which is a hard word to say. Those are people that occasionally have had some depressiveness for a long, long time, but they didn't have the the main markers, like six or eight things that you probably will ask me a little bit later. Mm -hmm. So... Would you say that depression is considered a form of mental illness? Well, I guess in our field we call it more of a mental disorder. Mm-hmm. Uh, yes, it definitely is. The, the, clinical, the mm-hmm. clinical depression would be for sure. The um, situational one is one probably that hits anybody that lives long enough that when they have a loss or a trauma or something like that, they're going to have some downness. But it is mainly with the clinical depression, it's when the brain is not operating right. It's, it, there's an imbalance. Okay. And with this imbalance, what are the signs and symptoms of depression? Well, there's about five or six. Uh, one is if a person is sleeping a lot, what we call isolating, not interacting with uh, friends and family, if they're uh, if, if at, at the job uh, the women are more teary, if they feel if they look like they're feeling sad all the time, of course that's easy to pick up on. But it 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 affects everything, like how you interact with people, how you think of yourself, how you think and feel, but also even how you drive. When people are very depressed, I tell them don't drive at night until you kind of 
pick up your awareness because they're just not as sharp. And that's more the clinical depression mm -hmm. as well as the situational depression. And those are some of the main markers. There are others, but it's not coming to mind at the moment. <laughs> that's an interesting one, driving, because we yeah. don't think of that. You don't think about that. Is that why all these wrecks are happening? Maybe. <laughs> because people, well, I didn't hear what you said. I said, is this why the, all the wrecks are happening? Because people are depressed? Well, like, <laughs> no, it's just Dallas is bigger and faster. Because <laughs> I'm like, well, I'm just curious. I'm going to do some research on that one. So how can one evaluate their level of depression? Well, in today's world, you can go online. If, if you even suspect you have some kind of downness, online is a wonderful opportunity to look up all sorts of things, more than you'd ever want to know. Your friends and family may start noticing, our workers, mm -hmm. uh, co-workers. And I tell people, uh, I'm glad they came to see me. If they've been stuck like over probably a month and their will can't get them out of it, mm -hmm. it's time to see somebody that knows something about it. Not that you're going to keep them forever in therapy, but you're going to help them move out of that. Mm -hmm. okay. Do you know if genetic factors have a role in, in the depression. clinical depression, yes. yes. The situational, no, because mm -hmm. again, that's usually a death of someone, a business dying, uh, you know, a loss. Mm -hmm. um, and trauma brings on a different types of depression with PTSD. That's a different cluster itself. But the clinical depression, at one time, I was saying this to someone else, at, say three decades ago, they being the scientific and the, uh, the, uh, the psychological yeah. groups, they said genetics was only genetics was only fifty percent, mm -hmm. and you could unlearn and learn about fifty percent. Mm -hmm. That has gone way up where they think the genetics really trumps maybe ninety percent. I don't agree with that high. I still see a lot of people who can learn and unlearn. Mm -hmm. But when genetics comes into play and people are more aware, I I think in just the last decade. They know more about, they've asked their parents, about grandparents, mm -hmm. and it's not as taboo to talk about, oh yeah, my uncle was this and that, and my somebody committed suicide. So they know more of their history. That does make people sometimes afraid that that's going to happen to them, right. and it won't always show up, but they should watch for it. And if it does, then there are some natural products, there are, you know, for mild and moderately low depressiveness, once you get above that, you're almost gonna have to try medication. And the first one may not work right. But the, the only way to trump genetics is usually through medication, even though there's odd things like light therapy and sound therapy and so forth. And I've gone to some of those things. I've had some things done on myself. Mm -hmm. They can help some people and there's electric electric shock is still around. That's even. still around. It is, but it's very different. I was able to okay. see two different <laughs> situations like that in uh -huh. the hospital. So, what situation did you? Can you talk about that? Or sure. Oh, so, what situation did you see? Well, I've had clients, uh, one sat there and one sat there through the years, who they had tried all kinds of cocktails, two and three and four medications. And it's still, they were staying in bed. They couldn't, one couldn't take care of her two-year-old child. Mm -hmm. So finally, that that or magnet therapy at the time were the two big things to try. The electric shock therapy is not like the old days in movies and the cuckoo's nest. Mm -hmm. It That was like one thing, and it would really change you. 
-hmm. Nowadays, they do it in very small increments, in mm -hmm. very short increments. But observing it twice, I have to say, it's it's intense to watch. And in my therapist group that watched mm -hmm. one time, uh -huh. two people fainted. I mean, they two therapists <laughs> wow. just slid down Are you the wall. Well, because you see them tense up, and they're they're you know anesthetized, but mm -hmm. still. And I think the stats more or less on that now <clears throat> is probably a third of the people are drastically helped and they really pull out of depressiveness. Um, a third are not helped much and so where else are they gonna go? And a third are kind of in between. Okay. Hmm. That's yeah, really interesting. <laughs> so my head's still on it because I'm looking at our next question. I'm just like, wow, I had no idea shock therapy was still around. And yes, mm -hmm. whenever we think about shock therapy, we do refer to what we see in the coop's nest. And yeah. <laughs> That's exactly what people yes. think about, even if they're younger and, and see a yes. rerun of it. Yeah. But there are two hospitals here that do it. Hmm. Maybe three, but I know of two. Do you think it really works? Do you think Well, I'm that... saying a third of the time, yes, I have, yes, the person who sat here uh -huh. that had the two-year-old she couldn't even take care of. Uh -huh. uh, well, actually, no, she ended up doing um, one or two of the treatments and then she did magnetic okay. therapy mm -hmm. and it helped her it gave her back her life oh wow and then uh another person uh she goes so far back i can't remember her first name but it helped her uh it brought her into mild depressiveness that could be controlled by a medication oh, wow. and from both of them had been on multiple medications and you know it, it's hard then for people for the doctor to know well is this too much? Mm -hmm. Right. Is this really helping? Which one are helping? And so forth. So it's a tricky question for psychiatrists. Hmm. Well, we'll figure it out as time goes. You know, they <laughs> discover things. Things are different now than they were 20 years ago, 30 oh, years ago. So. Think, yeah, two look, years two ago. Two years ago. Yeah, yeah, so. yeah, it's, yeah. it's exponentially so, growing. Right. They'll figure it out. They will. <laughs> um, so the next question was, why... Like, what are some of the possible reasons why individuals may tend to be more depressed during the holidays? Why are they sometimes more depressed? Mm -hmm. Right. Yes, my my business the, will pick up with newer people or old people coming mm -hmm. back. And not everybody is depressed, but um, all the old stuff about seeing family members or things that they haven't worked out or a multitude of things, it's supposed to be a happy time, but mm -hmm. I laughingly say all the little ads you see on the television about that, that's the best case scenario. And a lot of, I would say 60 or 70% of the time, people dread it mildly to severely. And it's also because there's, you know, everybody's doing too much and that takes them down some notches too. But it's usually old family stuff that mm -hmm. gets in the way. Yeah, I think um, I think we, because we, we looked up different types of depression and why people may tend to be so um, we saw sad seasonal affective disorder as one of them so right. what are the different forms of depression or the major ones that you can kind of talk to us about so people are kind of on this even keel of like what depression is and how they can identify with a form of depression or if they like, well if they're trying to figure it out yeah. about themselves yeah, just like what like what yeah. are the different because like when we say depression i mean when we look at there's up, so many on, different there's forms. like manic depression yeah. bipolar i don't know like ptsd there's so many categories of depression i mean right. what are the main forms of depression or like what are the main types of depression that okay. you know or or mm -hmm. what's the top like 
four depressions. Yes. Like what's number one, what's number two, what's that number three, what's number four. It. Yeah. Well, numbers wise, I don't think I could tell you, but um well I mentioned dysthymia is a very mild mm-hmm. case okay. at where people have that may all their life. They may or may not be on medication or use something natural. The next level up would be the clinical depression which shows up say over six months or four months and so somebody finally makes them go to see somebody mm-hmm. or go to a doctor and the clinical depression can be helped by medications if it's over as i said it can it, you can use some natural stuff if it's mild or moderately low but if it's moderately high or severe depression most of the time you're going to have to use a medication and do some cognitive work some some relearning of things the bipolarism is still a form of depression, but those people have different, you know, the mania, the euf- mm-hmm. euphoria that may last a month, a day, but it's it's very up and down. It's very irregular. It's very hard to live with someone like that. Again, there are medications specifically for that kind of depressiveness slash um, depressiveness slash mania. PTSD is really more and for years it was under the anxiety umbrella but it's it's different from anxiety issues which we're we're often if we are born with some anxiety issues as I was and it showed up later in life Hmm. that again goes back to genetics I can look back and both sides of my family had a marker had markers but I didn't realize it but the PTSD comes straight from a trauma either one huge thing many small things longitudinally along years of like sexual abuse or something like that mm-hmm. we've known for a long time well we haven't we've known for a in y'all's lifetime a long time that it's more than just men going and women to going to war it's a trauma by definition is when you see or experience something that is out of the ordinary and it's just hard for us to forget and to deal with, but it, there are things, there are methods, and there are medications to help that. Although the the Veterans Administration is not, unfortunately, one of the best ones, which is EMDR, but we won't talk about that. Mm-hmm. They're not letting the veterans have that, and I don't understand that. That's one of the best things. I used to work with a veterans hospital in California, so I did. I do see a little bit of what. You didn't know to. Lisa Penny, did you? Okay, <laughs> just a wild guess. <laughs> What, did they use EMDR, and how, how long ago did you well, send? I don't want to get into that because I was in the dental clinic portion of okay. the Veterans Association and um, the Veterans Hospital, and, you know, they would come in and chit-chat because I would have three hours with my patients while in school, and I rotated through there. So there's a lot of things that I question why they aren't receiving or why they aren't being helped. So that's... That's a little touchy, which we won't get into. Okay. We'll leave that well, for I'm, another I'm, time. I'm sad about it, too. I'm, yes. I mean, but it, it doesn't take a... That is uh, taken away sometimes from all the women who've had any kind of sexual impropriety as well as men. Right. And my first year in um, after school, I the very first year, I couldn't believe the number of men that said I was the only one they'd ever told about some sexual abuse. Aww. And so the numbers were already there, and um, they just weren't disclosing it with other people. They did. They no. They hadn't told anybody yeah. else. And that's there's a whole body of work. I'm trained in that arena because something happened to me 
in, when I was four, and I didn't know about it till light hypnosis at age 37. So it oh, can really wow. be embar- buried. Mm-hmm. So it explained a lot, but that's another story too. But it did, it does cause some depressiveness. It causes just a lot of reaction. Okay. Oh, wow. mm-hmm. And how, how can depression affect your health? Like, you know, besides, besides, you know, probably <laughs> you feel sad. You feel besides like, feeling, you know, besides feeling sad, like is there like is there a link like, to your heart, a issues? heart failure, yeah. heart issues, you know? Well, there's a lot of newer studies in the last probably decade. Okay. Uh, one of them, Larry Dossie, that used to be here, said has written a book about the broken heart, and he said often people with heart problems, mm-hmm. there's been or something that accentuated it and. Maybe it came to the forefront where someone that experienced something that broke their heart, right. a loss, or you know, and I, I I suspect a lot of that is true. I also think uh, my significant other's father died at 55, and he's outlived him 20 years. Oh wow! But he's had he has congestive heart failure. So um, health. But go back to your question. You said how does depression? depression how does depression affect your health? Well, first of all, if you lay around all the time and sleep all the time, so you're, you're not out getting and interacting with life enough, uh, so it's going to lower your immune system. However, I would, I think, and which we're not talking about today, the anxiety disorders lower, uh, hmm. I think, um, lower your, uh, what am I saying, your immune system even more because it's blood pressure's up, heart's racing. Mm-hmm. The mind's always on because too much serotonin is staying up here. Right. We're in depression. The serotonin is not enough. It's not connecting enough and so forth. So what is the correlation between depression and suicide? <laughs> and this is, this is, we asked this because the reason, the reason Nayetta and I were brought together on our path with the help show is that we had a friend and there was, you know, he had a multitude of things that he was dealing with in his life. Right. But he was definitely depressed. Yes. yes definitely he was. depressed. Mm-hmm. You know, like. He was depressed on a lot of different things, you know, and him being depressed turned into suicide. Okay. So. I mean, did he carry out his plan? Yes. yes he did. He Yes, he did carry out his plan. We so, lost him in May. We, yeah, we lost him in May. Yeah. May 11th. So I wanted to know, we wanted to know what is the correlation between <clears throat> between depression and suicide? Like, Well, obviously, everyone that probably commits suicide or carries mm-hmm. out their plan, as we say it, there, ha- there is depression. Right. But everyone that's depressed is not going to commit suicide. suicide now, right. the, tr- the tricky part of it is there are some people, through my practice, I've, there are some people that they suddenly took their life and no one saw it coming. Mm-hmm. Right. There are some people, as you all have probably seen, you heard them talk about it a little bit, but right. you didn't know what to do or, or whatever. But if someone says they, they are feeling suicidal or they might want to leave the planet or that they're, they feel ho- hope, they usually feel hopeless and they're in pain emotionally or physically. Right. And like a therapist is trained to go one step further and say, well, do you have a plan? How are you going to do this? Right. If they have a plan, we are trained and supposed to say, well, I need you to sign a contract with me that you will not harm yourself or anyone else until you, until I see you or until a month or whatever. Right. And somehow, actually, that happened to me 
older than you all, probably 35 or 40 years ago. Yeah. I was very depressed for a while, and I remember signing that, and it was like, oh, okay, I, can, I don't have to think about that for a while, because I signed that I wouldn't do anything. Right. If they're sitting here and they say, which has only happened to me once, <clears throat> I'm not going to sign anything, and I still may hurt myself. I said, okay. I'm a 5150. Now? I'm at a 5150. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Now. <laughs> uh, then we're supposed to call the police. Uh -huh. You cannot call the family. Uh, right. Ethically, in my LPC stuff, you can't call family. Uh -huh. You can't call someone that they might hurt. Right. You have to call the police. police. That's legal, legalese that we're mm -hmm. just drummed in our head. Okay. Oh, man. So. Oh, let me say one more thing there. Okay. I often. Uh, families will have somebody that often a bipolar they seem bipolarism they often talk more about suicide than they do because huh. it's manipulative mm -hmm. but I tell them if the person says you know uh, there is some sort of plan or seems intent about it mm -hmm. and they're and think about is this kind of manipulative or not but if you're in doubt say well, you know what I'm supposed to do. I'm, I will call the police, and they will come and take you somewhere to make you better. Right. Don't be afraid to do that to a loved one. I will call the police. Yeah, yes. you do have to. You do. And have to if, yeah. if it's manipulative, they'll straighten out about yeah. it. Yes, <laughs> because now we'll never be able to look back and say, "What if we could have done more?" Yeah, coulda, woulda, shoulda, shoulda. Yeah. Well, and that's why we call it their plan of suicide because people. They can. They need to feel maybe temporary, mm -hmm. some guilt right. and what ifs. But if that person is that intent, they're uh -huh. going to do it. Now that's not to say people sometimes probably have gone too far and didn't mean to do it. Oh, I'm dying now. It's too late. Right. But we didn't create that. Right. And we can't. It's kind of like Al-Anon says of addictions. We didn't cause it. We can't cure it, and we can't change it. Mm -hmm. So with that being said, why are women more depressed, more likely to be depressed than men? Because we have more or less forty percent more connective tissue in our heads and in wow. our brains. Wow! So we're so we're we're thinkers. That's what it is. Okay. Well, okay. there you know, like everything, there are pluses and minuses. Okay. That means we can we can multitask. We can handle and be all parts of the brain, but we also get scattered and overwhelmed. Right. But we we have access to all parts of our brain where men are much more linear. So that makes them more, the plus is they focus better, they bottom line better. Because uh, they don't have children and they don't bear kids. And don't get me started. I, <laughs> this this would be like another hour we're talking about this. But, you know, I could, I could see why. You know, women as far as like, um, what, postpartum depression? Men don't have children, so they couldn't. Well, they feel, can't have postpartum. But yeah, they, they get depressed. But, but they will often, especially my father's generation and back, that would be people that were 90 and over probably now. Right. They drank when they had anxiety or depressive issues, huh. which made it worse. Mm -hmm. But some of them were, you know, moderately or high functioning. Okay. Nowadays, you've got this whole cadre of drugs and, and all kinds of yes. ways yeah. to uh, anesthetize yourself. And then yourself. it always spirals Medicate out of yourself. Yeah. But, but let me say something there. Even, even behind having done an internship in a hospital, what came home and is known more now, usually behind any addiction, and I've decided we all have a few little, either minor ones or major ones or something in between. Behind the, the severe addictions, there is always trauma. I would say 99% of the time. 
and it's a trauma that the person either doesn't remember or they have some sort of idea about it and they've gone away from it for so long, then they maybe in their genes they have a propensity toward alcoholism or something. Mm -hmm. and, uh, but there's usually something underneath it. I definitely You're thinking. can see that. I can see, yeah, I can see that too. Are you enjoying The Help Show? Visit us at thehelpshow.com or follow us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and Periscope. So aside from calling the police when you when somebody, you know, openly states that they're going to commit suicide, I mean, if you see someone with the with all the signs and symptoms and they have you think they have severe depression, I mean, what are the first steps in seeking help whether it's for yourself or a loved one? Like what do we do? Cuz you know, our friend was we saw him, he was severely depressed, but but he we didn't go to see anyone. We didn't doctor. know what to do. I think he would see the doctor he just would, to get yes. medication. Yep, to get medication. He would see to talk to a therapist sometime. He would let me know, hey, Nayetta, I'm going to see my therapist. So he, you know, he So would. he was doing therapy as well as my medication, Correct. which is, they've shown the two together are better than one by themselves. So right. you wouldn't have had a, probably a clue. Except that I, you know, I, we all have our, all the therapists have their favorite uh, psychiatrists. I think some over over medicate. Some don't listen long enough. The NPs that a lot of them have now, they will listen longer. But again, it's kind of like I go back to what you signs you see at um, Al-Anon. You didn't cause it. You can't cure it. And you can't change it. That doesn't. All that being said, though, having taught assertiveness for a long time, I think you can you can ask people. Are you sure you're at the right spot? Are you sure mm -hmm. you're getting something with the therapist? And you can offer to go with them. And that's sometimes very helpful because then the, the um, I encouraged a woman who sits, sits over here to go with her husband because I think, I think her the husband's therapist mm -hmm. is just not getting it. Right. He's talking about disassociation and oblivion mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. got to be very depressed. Um, that way she could tell the therapist some things that he didn't know. The man wasn't telling the therapist. So be supportive. So you never know. Be supportive. Try to interact with listen, them. Listen. Be active with them. Listen. My fa my favorite to listen. Because if you don't listen, then how can you be supportive? Well, how can you? So you have to take the time to evaluate and to listen. Those are my two things. Because if you don't pay attention, then how can you see? And then if you don't listen, then how can you react? True. You need to listen. Yeah. Forced and and first and along the way. Well, you kind of answered our next question because it was how long should one expect depression to last and is it completely curable? So <laughs> you kind of answered that question, but we don't want to sound hopeless in answering no, but, that because yeah, we right. have hope, you know? <laughs> well, but in today's world, mm -hmm. when I was depressed probably way, way back, you didn't go get you didn't go to a psychiatrist and let you were unless you really thought you were crazy. Yeah, well right. I was to a point I should have been going, but I would just hold up for the whole weekend mm -hmm. and so forth. So in today's world, again, I think it's a wonderful time to be here because there are medications for mildness, for moderate, for uh, severe depression. There's, you know, different of course dosages and you better be sure that you're I tell people, if you're not feeling like you want to feel or feel like you're moving toward that way, then keep asking your doctors questions because I had someone that sat over here today and I said, I want you to go back to the doctor and he knows me. 
I said, uh, she told me something that she'd never said about something she was, two things she was on 20, no, 15 or 10 years ago. That she, when she felt the best, because my question for her, when have you been the happiest? When when have you been the highest functioning? Mm -hmm. When did you feel like you want to feel? And she told me at that time she was on two things, and that's not what she's on at all right now. Hmm. And it's been hard for her to pull out of her depressiveness and teariness. And so I said, okay, you've got an appointment on Friday. Because, I mean, I'm more trained than most people in medications. I'm not a doctor, but I try to keep up with it. And I said, you tell Dr. Hollander, blame it on me. (laughs) You say, Nancy's made me promise to tell you that... you know, 10 or 12 years ago, I was on A and B, right. and that was my happiest time. And so I kind of wonder, could we play with that in some way? Right. Downsize what I'm on now. You know, I told her some things to ask, and I, she was comfortable at that because she used my name in vain. Yeah. <laughs> but I am curious. Uh, if she did so well on that even five years ago, uh, they went a different direction. So I do try to listen and and educate the person somewhat on it. I'm not sure what that question was. Well, it's so, we're, I mean. Oh, curable. Yeah, curable, so it's yeah. not necessarily, we don't want to use the term curable, because I feel like it's an ongoing, it's, a bad it's an ongoing yeah. thing. It's a daily thing. It's something that you need to be aware of and address on the daily and kind of. Moderate and severe yeah. is. Right. That's See. not to say, I'm sure statistically, there have been some people that it went away, but I've not met them. Hmm. Uh, this client that I just talked about said, she went off uh, of everything for about a year and seemed to be okay. okay. Then, <laughs> then uh, eventually, though, something happened. Mm-hmm. I think what happens, uh, I think depressiveness and anxiety issues, both of those, mm-hmm. uh, they, they move along if you had no stressors, mm-hmm. which everybody's gonna have a few bumps, right. but they move along and they increase with age they're starting to look into this. And so you might not know a difference and not need any kind of medication <laughs> or anything natural for say a decade. But then what happened to me was uh, 15 years ago, my anxiety and panic attacks just mushroomed. Oh, and wow. so I needed to do something about it. So mm-hmm. I did go on Lexapro, which is good really for anxiety particularly and somewhat for depressiveness. I wasn't depressed, but I was panic attacked and basket case stage so I waited to I really waited longer than I should have so my point is I'm glad there's Lexapro and what I call rescue remedy that's uh, natural huh. I take that as needed like Dr. Oz's family and I will stay on that till I leave the planet because the two together for me help me be 97% functionality mm-hmm. I may d- dip some with a lot of stressors but uh, in the last 20 months, I've had more stressors. I've had like 17 tsunamis. <laughs> and yet, because I know better what's happening, I, I would never have to go to the hospital on it. I <laughs> can take more rescue remedy. I can rest more. And my friends say I've handled it better than they would have ever thought. And I, I think so too. <laughs> but it's not without the medication mm-hmm. and the rescue remedy, which is homeopathic or natural. Okay. So with you being the therapist, the professional, and then also you being the client, um, how does therapy help with depression? Because you've been in a stage where you've gotten therapy and then you've been in this stage where you've given um, mm-hmm. um, advice. So how does therapy help with depression? 
it can help with some of the mind stuff, and it, but I also think it helps people just, what are their markers? If they come in here and they think, well, I think I'm depressed, mm -hmm. or people have said I might be, I whip out an assessment that's very simple, but it's by a doctor, and in a page and a half, they can figure it all up, and they can see the markers, and then I can help them see, okay, wow, you're up in the severe area, or you're in the moderate area, okay. uh, you're in the mild area, go get some uh, SAMe, which is a, you know one of the natural products, uh, sleep, use sleep, you know, melatonin, which is natural for sleep. Right. There are things you can do with the mild. If that doesn't work, then you've got to up your level. So a good therapist is knowledgeable about those things. So that, I mean, I just sent two people to my favorite psychiatrist this morning, and I, they're to a point they need medication. Mm -hmm. Now, they may not need it forever. Okay. If you're young enough, you may not need it forever. Hmm. So... At what point does one use medication in conjunction with therapy to treat depression? You kind of touched, kinda touched on that. that when they get yeah. severe enough and they're no, it's yeah, no you kind of touched on that a little bit, yeah, right when it's no longer. Well, it depends. Mm -hmm. Well, also, like I said, sometimes people come to you; they really need to go to the doctor first, but right. they don't know that, and that's where I try to educate them and say, "Look, I've say, said this a lot. Uh, try." Let's try natural stuff first. So they go and try that and they come back, well, I'm, you know. Okay, so here's two doctors. See who okay. you see first. And I said, but be willing to try it for three months minimum and just see what you think. I also educate them on the first, the first, I think of four people, the first person is going to get a medica one medication and have no side effects and it's going to be what they need and want. It's going to make them feel like they want. Another person's gonna get on the same medication, have side effects, get off and say, well, I'm never gonna try anything like that again, mm -hmm. when they're like 12 or 14 out there. And so I also try to tell people, try the try, be willing to try different medications until one works and gives you what you want. And it's really, it's balancing your, that person's imbalance and nobody knows exactly what those are. So every, every, of everybody that's been here and every medication that's out there for anxiety and or depressiveness, there are people that have loved it and there are people that have hated it. Right. I agree with you. <laughs> no one I think every, I know. Yeah. Everybody can't love everybody. That would so, be too much like work. <laughs> well, and besides, I tell them, I don't make any money from medications. Right. So I'm being totally objective. Right. Which right. is powerful because they, they, you know, they say, well, now do you get any kickback is right. what one no. guy asked. I said, I sure don't. <laughs> anyway. So aside from natural remedies and medication, what are certain things or activities that somebody can engage in to help remedy the symptoms of depression? Number one is working out or at the very least walking. Walking is still the cheapest and easiest and most available. Get some endorphins going. But also, if you're out and about, you're, endorphins. <laughs> yeah, you're you're getting energy from other people a little bit, I think. Mm -hmm. Right. And so that helps too. But working out, what are some stressors you can take off your plate? Mm -hmm. Try to eat the higher, you know, higher proteins, less of the white stuff, the sugar and the bread, which doesn't do anything for depressiveness. Drinking, uh, you know, again, it will help people go away from something, but it's also a depressiveness, as we know. So. Um, 
those pop in my mind the fastest. I'm sure there are others. <laughs> <laughs> so you kind of just hit what we just said, like what um, what are some things to avoid with dealing with depression? She said no, you know, no whites, no no sugars, no process, no process. What else could you think of to um, to avoid when dealing, you know, with depression? depression. Yes. Not drinking too much, I guess. Well, yeah, because, I mean, the drinking and drugging is, again, people are going to go if they need to medicate themselves or something. Right. But they're both problems. Um, but the, the working out and, or at least walking, right. uh, that's really helpful to people. And, getting, and pushing yourself some. Mm-hmm. But I have to realize when I had knee surgery, uh, both times, day seven to about... 10 or 11, Mm -hmm. I realized I was really depressed. I didn't even want to watch television. Hmm. And I used it the first time to remind myself, this is how people sometimes walk in my door. They have no energy, Mm -hmm. so they have no motivation. That's why they stay in bed a lot. Mm -hmm. You don't want to go out. And But the more you do that, your body starts breaking down, and you're not with people that support you and so forth. But I, I, I can go back to that and remember that. What are other things to be aware of when feeling depressed or dealing with someone that is depressed? What are things to remember? Uh-huh. What, are, what are things to be aware of when feeling oh, depressed okay. or dealing with someone that is depressed? Well, that's kind of two things. It's like one, what, what do you look, what, what, what should you notice? What, like what, what, should, what, did you should, what should be a red flag? Okay. So what should you... bed all the time. <laughs> like, girl, have you got a bit? Let's get her out of here. No. Oh, I've had I've had people come in here. One sat over there, and she hadn't gotten her out of her bed for about four days, and somebody brought her in here. Oh wow! Um, and um, uh, sleeping too much. It's not usually sleeping too little, not eating enough, mm-hmm. um, crying a lot. All you know, a lot of time I have a person that cries an awful lot. That's really tired of try, of crying. You know, right? Um, just not interacting. It's it's usually the isolating too extreme. Hmm. And again, the second part of your question is, what can I do? Yeah. You can certainly reflect that back to them and say, look, I, I want you to realize compared to 10 years ago when I first met you and we would do this, that, and the other, something's changed. You, you seem really depressed to me or overly anxious. I mean, friends are smart if they'll say something kindly, but uh, say it. <laughs> as long as you say it. That, when but, I first met you, we both washed our hair, and we both took showers, <laughs> and we both smelled nice. Now, we now one of us doesn't <laughs> smell nice. <laughs> and it's not me. I'm like, well, who is it? It's not me. It's not me. I'm over here. <laughs> but this is some, some things to watch for. You know, I don't feel like meeting you all. You know, if you if, if they start... Uh, receding from doing things with you, that's another sign. Huh. I just had a girl, a young girl, about 19, come out of some things. And she actually brought a, her best friend mm-hmm. last time. And mm-hmm. she's really moved well. And um, she's, and I reminded her, I said, yeah, I remember when you first walked in the door. How far had you come on? She had a little scale that she had come up with. And she's come a long ways. And I give stickers to remind people. I, I was like, I'm going to... Oh, I look. Oh. oh, I get stickers. Oh, yes, she gives me stickers. Well, in fact, I'm going to give you both. What? We get, we, okay, because stickers. <laughs> well, one is Nyetta just blew my socks off. This is super job. 
Thank you, When Nancy. she came in last time and told me all the things she'd been doing since I'd seen her quite a while ago. And let's see. I've got another one that says, nice job. Because you obviously, you, you must have, you must be have something, some, be something close to me, like an LPC or social worker or psychologist. What? <laughs> I'm a dental hygienist. But I was oh, a psych okay. major before I went into hygiene. Okay. And um, I've actually been, I mean, I've always wanted to go back to school, but I think that meeting or returning on our paths and coming together again in our lives, so we've known each other for years, but we kind of went kind of went Way our separate ways, right. you know, and I was in another state, and then we came back together, and the goodness that brought us together, and, you know, seeing what she's doing, and I, she, it, it further inspired me. So aw. I'm going to go back to school and... Well, do what she's doing. She's doing where you get both. Mm-hmm. Where LPCs now, they are not going to make much money for years, and they have to go a long time. The the social workers can work immediately. So, mm-hmm. but I mean, uh, that wasn't as divided as it is now. Mm-hmm. And so right. I've you know I've been at this 22 years, but um, it's never too late. I went back mm-hmm. to school later in life too. But <clears> you <throat> feel that we're the same because I've traveled the same journey. This is firsthand experience. The things and. You'll see what we have in the future, and you'll 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 probably really be like, oh, that's why. Yeah. <laughs> well, where you talking more about your own journey? You mean? Okay. So, um, we've been talking about depression, depression, depression. So, would you say that happiness is the direct opposite of depression? Like, is that? I think most people think of it that way. That's why I kind of. But you know, happiness kind of is like a lot of things, it ebbs and flows, but how can you maximize it and minimize the other? Mm -hmm. And sometimes it may be, some people use the word, well, I'm contented more of the time, even though I may be down a little bit. Mm -hmm. Or I'm a high, I'm functioning at a high rate most of the time, like on a scale Mm -hmm. of 100, 90 to 95, even though you may be hit with some things. So, but I think the average person just thinks of that on the two ends Mm -hmm. of the continuum, yes. So what is your definition of happiness, Nancy? When Nancy Stokes says, <laughs> this is what I define, this is what I think happiness is, what, how do you define happiness? What's your definition of happiness? Well, I, I just think there's a lot of definitions that everybody kind of has their own. So what's your definition Well, I'm thinking happiness? about that, but I think part of it is it's that high functionality most of the time, like most days, 90% or 95 also, it's it's ability, happiness, but it, see that's where that contentment or that inner core of something is. Where's the core that helps you through tough times? Even though I can still laugh and be light. Uh, I came in. A, I had some bad news about something this morning, and yet I came in and I heard a one of the many workmen around here whistling, and it reminded me of my father. And I said, and that just lights me up with these little bursts of happiness, if yes. you want to call it. And I said. Oh, it's so good to hear somebody whistling. It means you're happy. Yeah. Then I saw him later, way down the hall, and I said, I don't hear you, you know, I, uh, I don't hear you whistling. He whistled real loud. <laughs> and those little things, uh, I call them lightning, lighting up, lightening up mm-hmm. and humor. Humor has been something I wasn't good at till about 12 years ago. Mm-hmm. And by the way, that's something that's, that is something good for depression, but people don't often have the energy for it till they come out of it a little bit. Well, you know, lighter things. Oh, listen, they hang around me a little bit. Well, that, <laughs> or me. Or you. Or me. Laughter. Us. <laughs> or us. Yeah. Hang around me a little. Hang we'll around We'll pimp us. you right up. Yeah, we will pimp you right up. <laughs> um, 
so when one is being treated for depression and they're, you know, going through the therapy and with medication, are they expecting to feel that, like, burst of happiness at some point in their recovery? I would hope so. Like, you know, I mean, that's what, because, you know, when you're looking at it, so happiness is not the direct opposition of depression, but when someone's depressed and they're going through treatment, like... depressed all the time. Yeah, yeah. so what are they expecting? Are they expecting to feel happiness? Are they expecting to feel just better by the day? Or what is, how do you explain that journey? Okay. It's like I said to someone today, you're not going to probably feel happy all the time unless, but I don't know their definition. For me, it's, I don't expect to be happy in the general sense of the word all the time what I like to be is that high functioning where I can laugh and be my best and be serious and you know just do whatever I need to do so it's just hard to answer you on Mm -hmm. that like I say I can only answer for myself what I do tell people this young lady is on two or three things now and that's the one that's going to go back and tell her you know the, the best known psychiatrist here that Nancy said I needed to tell you thus thus and so because we were trying to think of when was she the happiest and Mm -hmm. that's when she said what was it it was a 10-year period and I was on A and B and so I said well what did that look like what did it sound like well I just had a better time all you know I was Mm -hmm. I was and she was on medication Hmm. but she said I I, uh, felt like I could do what I wanted to do I was I felt like I wanted to feel, and maybe that's a good way to say it because not everybody's going to feel the next day for sure. Mm-hmm. They're not going to feel a difference. It takes some. It takes a while, and they may have side effects. And that's why I tell people try at least three things right. before you give it up. Hmm. And men particularly will like if one doesn't work the first time mm-hmm. in three weeks or less, I'm moving on. <laughs> and I've said okay. Be miserable. I mean, I can't do anything for you. <laughs> right. I can teach you about some negative self-talk. Mm-hmm. But if that's only 10% or 30%, that's not going to hack it all the time. So they're not going to be real happy in the general sense of the term. That's kind of a... You lead a horse to water, but, but you can't, can't make them drink. You know what one, <laughs> you know one advice, um, some advice you gave? Because Nancy, she, um, she spoke with me, my mother and I. Mm-hmm. And the advice, the advice that you gave my mother that it it has helped so much and it's helped me as well for ev- for every negative thing you say come up with three positive things mm-hmm. and most people don't do that and some people don't do that and it is at least two minutes at least two but what happens what happens it does triumph the trump the the negative that you just said so that one negative you just it, yeah. I think it trumps it because okay. for that one negative that's what I feel with me like if that one negative thing that I say and I come up with three positive things it's not that you're like it's not that bad it's not that yeah it's not you it's know not that, that bad yeah it's not that bad yeah that's right that other party is like yeah mm-hmm. there's this this and this so, I call it on the other hand there's this this and this so thank you for that that that's, that well, has helped me a whole lot yeah I'm using too. <laughs> Use it with children. Yeah. A lot of people don't. So please share some advice you may have for obtaining healthy level of happiness. And then also, um, could you please let us, let the viewers know um, how to reach you? Because, you know, we have, you know, people listening to the, um, to the podcast. Okay. How to reach you. Um, what are your hours? Yes. What are your, where's your office? So, you know, she helped me. I know she can help. Well, and thank you for 
talking about that. Not yeah. everybody. Yes. I would not have said that. Oh, you know, we want come. you to because and you needed more. Hold on, yeah. you needed more coaching. I think you and your mother needed a little bit more therapy, which is a little deeper area. Right. But a lot of people just need some coaching, so I can kind of move through all the late. Mm-hmm. The yeah. So she does a wonderful job. I I want to I want the viewers to be able to come to you and talk to you and get help and advice and in coaching. Like Nancy, you're amazing. And that's what the help show is about. Yeah. We're providing the information with no bias and like uh-huh. no judgment. Like good reporters. Yes. yes. <laughs> and um, we want to provide them with the resources so that in, in the case that anything that we've talked about during this interview triggers a reflection in them or they see something around them, they know where to go get help yeah. or okay. how to reach out to somebody and in this case you. Yeah. Well, so let me do it at several levels. Uh, first of all, for myself, my main number has been the same for decades, and it's 972-681-2760. I have two offices. One's around uh, LBJ 635 and Hillcrest, and then this one I'm really busier at. I'm over here Monday, Wednesdays, and Friday at the Lakewood office. And I particularly, because I see people as late as five, six, and seven, and eight occasionally, I don't start till one. And then I see people on Saturday because some therapists say, oh, I don't want to stay late. I don't Mm -hmm. want to see people on Saturday, but I'm always full. (laughs) I take three to four people. Uh, I see only adults. And the reason is every childhood has so many developmental stages. And then you've got uh, the uh, tweens and then the teens. And they're really a whole ball game themselves. So I prefer adults because it's I can be more interactive and I can right. move I move a little fast for kids, I think. Mm-hmm. So I mean I just that's the way it is. But if if they if they just recognize something, they can always go talk to a minister at their church. Uh, a lot of them have people that are semi counselors or they're maybe not licensed like I am, but they have resources. Um uh there are places that do a lot of a lot of places go on a sliding scale. Mm-hmm. I have a sliding scale too, but it doesn't go quite as low as you know ten or fifteen dollars. I don't think most of them do either. Okay. There's a lot of help out there. You just have to you have to put some ripples out and find it. Mm-hmm. So okay. that answers that. Yeah, <laughs> and please you know share some advice you may have obtaining healthy level happiness. So what would you what advice would you give the listeners to obtain healthy um a healthy level of happiness walk again <laughs> i don't walk but i work out and, right um the endorphins just really help they give you that sense of well-being and it, if you did it semi-regularly or five days a week 30 minutes mm-hmm. they're showing uh mm-hmm. or if you if you ride i like i ride a recumbent bike and i sprint part of that time that's almost better than mm-hmm. 30 minutes somewhere else but um and healthiness, you know, I think you can eat multiple meals or several big meals and whatever people, whatever works for them. But uh, I'm trying definitely to do less, of, you know, the white flour and uh, white mm-hmm. flour I don't do anyway, but uh, right. the sugar and stuff. Inter- and I think, believe it or not, one of the best ways to feel better about things is to go volunteer somewhere that interests you. That always gets you out of your niche and right. you usually always feel like, oh, I'm doing better than a lot of people I'm seeing right. helping. 
and you always get more out of volunteering, usually if you pick the right one for you. I mean, that Dallas life. (laughs) (laughs) We'll see. And that's what you all are doing here. You're giving time to a passion of yours and you're learning a lot as you go. And people learn a lot probably as you all ask questions and make us think about, you know, the answers. (laughs) So those are some things I tell people, uh, eating, Sleep, you better decide how much sleep you really need. And as you age, you I need all of it. (laughs) All eight hours. All of it. I know. I know. I I can sleep. I can like five hours. I'm good. My my son, too. But unfortunately, we we have to sleep a little bit more. So there are times if I have a big break, like two hours, I'll take a little nap in here. I can sit in a chair. (laughs) No shame in that nap game. they They say nap games are, you know, a little nap is worth. Three times at night. I don't know how true. That I think is. it's true. I think, but it's true. it refreshes me, and so, yeah. and then I'm fresh for the next, you know, two or three people. Okay, I'm like two or three hours. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I do want to. Actually, I do have something more to add. One of my favorite sayings that I came up with is "Stay limber, loving, and a little crazy." Stay limber in your body and mind. Okay. Stay. Let's see. Limber, loving to yourself, which is something that a lot of people don't love themselves or not not gentle with themselves and then a little crazy like you and I talked about being fun and mm-hmm. being lighter and all that so I I used to give talks on that and I still like that I like it too. a little bit loving and a little I'm a crazy. little bit of mm-hmm. all the first and the second and we have a lot of the three <laughs> the third one oh, that's, good. <laughs> that's good the two of us <laughs> well um this was quite the eye-opener for those that wonder about what depression actually is And we hope that you are all able to search within and find the key to your happiness. Thank you for joining us here on The The Help Show. Show. Woo! (laughs) We hope that you've enjoyed this episode of Roots to Happiness. Stay tuned as we continue to talk about depression and happiness here on The The Help Help Show. For more information, visit us on our website at thehelpshow.com. Thank you for listening and please stay tuned.